Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? It is May 20th. It is listing your boy. Jimmy, how you doing? Sean Ross Sapp, the self-proclaimed walking printing press. Self-proclaimed? That was was a nickname that you gave me. No, I didn't. Yeah, based on all the money that I've made you across the stock market and Fightful and just in general as a personality, people... People, when you introduce yourself on the street and you say, oh, hi, I'm James. I don't know if you want me to use your shoot name here, but uh, James, they go, oh, oh, the guy who works with Sean Ross Sapp. That's what they say. Although there are a few who don't know me as Sean Ross Sapp. They say, oh, you're the one that works with the fucking legend. That's what my mom says, yeah. Yeah, there, there you go. And I, every, I just Every time I call her, she asks, by the way, how's that fucking out. legend doing? Uh, how am I doing? No, that's what my mother says when I call her. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, what can I say? I'm too humble to really accept that, but I'm not going to stop it if people are going to call me that. Awesome. Well, uh, kind of sucks to have to segue from, from jokes and smiles to shitty news. Uh, but, uh, that's kind of where we're at. We're doing this on May 20th and, uh, it was announced this morning that the body of Shad Gaspard was found on Venice Beach in California. Uh, I think everybody knows the story now. Uh, he's one of those guys that you never heard anything bad about. Never. You know? Everybody seemed to have nothing but positive things to say about him. And the fact that he reportedly told lifeguards when they came on the scene to help Shad and his son and other people that were caught in this riptide, he reportedly told the lifeguards, uh, go help my son, and uh, left himself susceptible, got hit by another wave, went under, and drowned. I guess that kind of tells you what kind of man he was and uh the wrestling community has really uh uh like been public today in in kind of praising him what kind of a person he was how good of a person he was 2020 has been the utter shits for most of us in a lot of ways and this just kind of just adds to it just a crappy situation man there's no there's no other way around it very um shad is a a very good example of how to conduct yourself as as a person, I mean, even years before this, he disarmed a robber that he thought had a gun. As it turns out, he had a BB gun. But Shad didn't know that when he when he went after the guy and mm-hmm. slammed him to the ground, held him in a rear naked choke until police got there. He's the type of guy, he and JTG, I thought they were about to have another run. They had been more active. I was actually supposed to see them WrestleMania weekend because they were both booked for the primetime pro wrestling shows, uh, one of which I was going to be on. And I was very excited for that because I've never got to meet and meet either one of them. And I always heard great things about Chad. You mm-hmm. always hear great things about Chad and JTG for that matter. Uh, both really good dudes, really driven dudes. I thought mm-hmm. they had another run in them too. I was surprised they hadn't already popped up on NWA or Ring of Honor. Uh, they had been a little bit more active of late because they, they had wrestled some of the GCW shows. I really thought we were going to see more of Crime Time, but Shad Gaspard had been involved in various various elements of entertainment, from being a bodyguard for people like Mike Tyson and P. Diddy, to uh, acting in movies, to doing graphic novels. This was a very ambitious guy who went out with very heroic actions. Absolutely, and uh, when I was going back and looking him up, looking up you know his background and stuff... 
it never occurred to me that Crime Time never won the WWE Tag yeah. Team Championship. It's stunning. Like everybody, it seems. I think you and I had a run, Sean, yeah. as a WWE Tag Team Champions. I cannot believe Crime Time never had a run. He was there on and off from 2003 because uh, he started with Tough Enough Two. That's how they uh, that's how they recruited him. Started with Tough Enough Two. Uh, got disqualified because of his physical. They recruited him in 2003, on and off for seven years. Yeah, he was part of WWE and never won the tag team titles with that with that personality. I don't understand how that never happened. But well, uh, they got hosed. Did. They got hosed several times. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. They got fired for the referee spot where they they did a they did their finisher to a referee. Uh, they got brought back. The the crime time Cena gimmick did not last very long. That got the kibosh put on it, and they looked prepared. I think Cena could have done great stuff with them, mm-hmm. and I think they would have had a tag title run. They had more personality than a lot of people. They were there all that time. I think they had six pay per view matches the, that mm-hmm. whole time, and they they were just flowing with personality. Then they broke mm-hmm. the two up with no plans. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they kept JTG for four years after that. So Shad's bookings, I'm sure, were severely limited by that. The fact that he didn't have his tag team partner out there. But mm-hmm. what's JTG going to do? Pass up making six figures a year to largely not wrestle? They they did get hosed quite a bit, but I think they were they were mounting a comeback, so to speak. And I was so happy to see them out on on the independent circuit again. I mean, JTG's still I think 24 or 34 rather. Uh, Shad's Shad passed at 39. It's just. Yeah. It's tragic that we lost him. Uh, it's it sucks. It sucks, it does. especially such a good dude. It does. I mean, at least you know his son. His son's only ten years old, but at least his son has a solace of knowing that his dad uh, lost his life looking out for him. Yeah. And so at least he could, at least he'll be able to look back at that and say, because again, there's been nothing but good things said about his dad. Nothing but good things. Uh, and a lot of people are calling him a hero now for what he did. And uh, you know, it's just it's it's a shitty situation, uh, but at least he got to kind of go well, yeah. you know, sticking with that reputation that he had, you know. Yeah, but, and um, you, you just see a lot of positive things. Uh, yeah. The fightful account, even Kyler had tweeted out when Kofi Kingston won the WWE title, he and MVP embracing. They were so happy that a black champion finally happened in WWE for the WWE title. That was a moment that I think helped put that title match in perspective for a lot of people. Because mm-hmm. you have this 6'4", 6'5", 295-pound guy almost reduced to tears about a company he hadn't even been with in a decade. And mm-hmm. you saw how important that was. And Shad had developed that kind of reputation. He he just He's one of those guys that you never heard the bad stories about. You never saw the the articles burying him or anything like that because there wasn't anything to bury he was just mm-hmm. a good hard-working dude who was ambitious and and versatile and yeah just he's gonna be missed yep absolutely and uh another story that i want to make mention of i want to pay my respects to walt harris yeah, uh, And now we cover wrestling more than we do MMA on this podcast. So if you're not familiar with the name, Walt Harris is a fighter in the UFC in their heavyweight division. And it was last October that his stepdaughter, uh, 19-year-old Anaya Blanchard, she was senselessly murdered. Uh, the individual that did it now is up on first-degree murder charges. Uh, I think he faces the death penalty. Last Saturday, Walt Harris made his return to the UFC cage. For the first time since that tragedy happened, I cannot imagine what he went through. Uh, I can't imagine finding the motivation and the energy to train for a fight. Yeah. And not only did he train for a fight, he got in there with his toughest opponent to date, uh, a Hall of Famer by the name of Alistair Overeem. And uh, unfortunately, Walt Harris came up a little short, and he lost in the second round. He almost won it in the first round. Almost did. Almost yeah, he did. almost did, but uh, he, unfortunately, he gassed out. Alistair Overeem's a veteran. Uh, you know, he was able to weather the storm. And uh, Walt Harris, understandably, got emotional after the fight, probably wanted a better outcome, I'm sure. But if anybody deserves a pass on a loss, it would be Walt Harris in that fight. 
because, again, I can't imagine what he went through. And I also want to give props to Alistair Overeem. That might have been the first time that I ever saw. You know uh, when they touch gloves before a fight? They get into the center of the cage and they touch gloves before a fight. Might be the first time that I ever saw an opponent hug uh, yeah. hug his opponent before the first round because Alistair Overeem had so much respect for Walt Harris and for what he went through that he hugged Walt Harris. And you could tell it kind of caught Walt Harris off guard a little bit because he put his gloves out and Alistair reached in, grabbed his gloves, and went in and hugged him. And as yeah. soon as the fight ended, Alistair was right there next to him. So uh, big props for Alistair Overeem for showing that kind of class. And uh, and again, Walt Harris, uh, I can't imagine what he went through. I was glad to see him back in there. And again, he looked good. Before he gassed out, he looked pretty good, you know? Yeah, he did. And the thing is, Walt Harris has been looking good for the last several years. The, his his record is very deceiving. There hasn't been a fight, really, that he's been out of in the last few years, except for that Fabricio Verdum fight that he took on hours' notice, for the love of God. Like, at virtually hours' notice. I got a lot of respect for, for Walt Harris as well, and that was, that was a great show to cover. Um, you got Disco Jimmy going on again. Do I for real? Yeah, I love it. I, oh, I almost didn't right. want to bring it up, but... But uh, people are talking about it. They're sending super chats. By the way, guys, you can send a super chat. <laughs> I don't you know why it's doing it. You can send a super chat. You'll get your question or statement read on the air. Uh, obviously, I wanted to talk about the more serious things before we get into it. But Anakin yeah. JMT said, thanks, Jimmy, for the disco look. Help me <laughs> laugh on this sad day. And Injection says, Sean, did you trim your hair? It looks different. Yes, I did. Yeah, you're keeping it short now, aren't you? Yeah, I I have a lot of people that will ask if I miss my long hair, and I do not miss it one bit. I have not missed it one second. The only time that I missed it, Jimmy, was when I was running around AEW Dynamite with Bailey's haircut, and I was like, okay, I miss it right now. I miss what it stood for, but I do not miss the actual hair. Uh, Tim Traver says, just hose me down with the positive vibes. Well, uh, we we will we will commence the hosing, but... We also had the Dark Side of the Ring episode, Jimmy, which I think they're going to do one eventually on your webcam. Uh, I think they're going to have to. I don't know why. It's, like, I rebooted. Uh, it's I fantastic. Don't know why it's it. Part of me wants to unplug the camera, but if I do yeah. that, I'm probably going to lose you. Yeah, you'll, you'll probably lose me, and then people will see our private Skype conversation <laughs> where we okay. bury everybody. I'll have to leave it, and people are going to have to deal with it. I don't know why it's doing it. So I did, I did everything the same way that I always do. Wow, so, Jimmy. Yeah, it is it's, what it's it is. Pretty, it's pretty wild. I love it. I uh, don't know what to do. It is what it is, man. Stay up and keep oh, your audio your, only. No, we ain't doing that. We ain't ever going. Audio only sucks. But um, J.K. Schwal said, need Disco Jimmy and Hacker Sean combo for a show. I mean, <laughs> the idea of going audio only is just, that's weird. Like, what? what's it matter? What's it matter? Uh, Injection says, if I can be honest, you look better with the short hair. Why, thank you. And uh, we might as well talk about it. Anakin JMT says, did you get the impression Owen's kids aren't fans of wrestling and even his daughter resents it? Sad considering uh, not only their heritage, but that their dad loved it. Well, Jimmy, the thing that I got from the dark side of the ring, Disco Jimmy, was that Owen loved his kids a lot more than he loved wrestling. And that's the important thing. We heard all this stuff, heard all this stuff about, oh, it's it's Oja's birthright. It's Oja's birthright. Oja doesn't want any damn thing to do with the WWE Hall of Fame. Oja doesn't want his dad going in there. He doesn't care what Mark Henry has said in his induction speech. Yeah, He does not want to do that. And he said, I don't want my dad to be put on a silver plaque just to be cracked over somebody's head eventually. Yep. And I was like, damn, that, those are powerful words to me. I look at it like this. Um, on the one hand, I thought it was encouraging, if that's the right word, that Martha Hart, after over 20 years, is speaking publicly about the whole thing. Yeah. Because I can't recall the last time she spoke publicly me either. About, about the tragedy, about WWE, about any of it. And not only did she do Dark Side of the Ring, but she did the media rounds. She she talked to CBS Sports. She talked to The Rap. She did Chris Jericho's podcast. She went very in-depth about everything. Uh, so I thought that was encouraging in terms of you know her opening up a little bit. They released the first official Owen Hart t-shirt in over 20 years through Pro Wrestling Tees. The profits are going to be going to the Owen Hart Foundation. But I look at it like this. Oge was seven years old when Owen passed. I think he's 28 now or 29. And – 
Martha, uh, and she, I think, would admit this, and Bret Hart has spoken about this, she distanced herself from the Hart family after this happened. And I'm not going to go into, you know, one side over the other side. Everybody's got their own allegations, claims, whatever. But she believed that the Hart family was kind of going against her because they wanted to maintain their own positions within WWE because yeah. you had Jim Neidhart and you had the Bulldog uh, were still around back then. And so she believed that they were looking out for their best interests and that the wives were, you know, kind of helping the defense. So she separated the Hart family. That means that to Oge Hart, the Hart family wrestling legacy doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Quite frankly. Uh, and Athena was three or four at that time. And so they don't have any to them. The Hart family legacy doesn't really mean anything. Uh, from what I understand, they don't have a relationship with Brett now either, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I look at it like this because, uh, you know, everybody's talking about Owen Hart in the, in the Hall of Fame. And, of course, Mark Henry j- during his own speech telling saying, Martha Hart, please, you know, let him go in. You don't understand what they went through. You don't understand that they lost their husband and their father on the watch of the company that employed him. Yeah. And so when you look at it from their mentality – and you and I have talked, and I've been very open about my opinion on the Hall of Fame, and I know that a lot of people, it means a lot to them, Ric Flair being an example, and, and it's a prestigious honor. I have long said on this podcast, to me, the, the, the Hall of Fame is a marketing ploy. That's what it is mm-hmm. uh, to me. Uh, and so I look at it like uh, they don't want the company to glorify their husband and father when their company effectively killed him. I don't blame them for that, Sean. I don't either, I especially don't after them. seeing that rigging set up. Jesus, yeah. I had never seen that before. That's one of those situations where I idolized the hearts growing up. So yep. as a 13, 14-year-old kid, I kind of just eliminated that. I was like, I don't really want to learn that much about that. And it was heartbreaking. It seemed like Mark Henry, based on what we heard from Oge, talked out of pocket in his Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, I mean, Mark Mark Henry's intentions were genuine. They were. You know they I mean? were. They were positive yeah. intentions. But Yeah, I mean, they were, they were in the, uh, the nation together. And, yeah, of uh, course. They, they were friends. Know, yeah, and so Mark Henry, his intentions were strictly uh, positive and genuine. Uh, but again, he's got to put himself in the shoes of Martha Hart, Oge Hart, Athena Hart to really understand the situation. Uh, and so I understand what they're saying. I will say this. You know, they always say never say never in pro wrestling. And I never thought Bruno San Martino would ever go into the WWE Hall of Fame. And in the end, it was really one thing that put Bruno in the Hall of Fame. And you know what that one thing was? Money. Money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people will say, oh, Triple H is the reason that Bruno mm-hmm. got in the Hall of Fame. Now, granted, Triple H helped bridge the gap. Yeah. But Triple H didn't get Bruno Sammartino in the Hall of Fame. Bruno Sammartino threw out a figure that he thought they would balk at, and he thought they'd say, ah, oh, there's no way, and then they cut him a check. Yeah. That's why Bruno Sammartino went in the Hall of Fame. You never know someday if Martha Hart is like, you know what, $5 million to the Owen Hart Foundation, and you can have your little your little Hall of Fame. You never know if they'd cut a check, but something tells me it's unlikely. I don't think I don't think any amount of money is going to make her do it. But I look at Bruno and I think you never know. And the thing is, like when I mentioned the, the Mark Henry thing, based on the things that Oge said, I wondered how many conversations that Mark Henry has had with Oge over the years. Like, has he? I don't know. I don't know their situation. I don't know yeah. their relationship. But when he he's he's pleading with Martha, who has been adamant, it, it hit a lot different for me to see. Oge and Martha look into the camera, hear their words. Of course, I, everybody knows Martha Hart didn't want Owen in the Hall of Fame. But yep. she's done more media in the past week than she's done in the last 20 years. Yep. And yep. seeing her explain why, hearing her explain why, that that it hits a little bit different. And I'm like, man, that, when Mark Henry says stuff like it's his birthright to Oge, that does create a talking point, especially among people who are diehard WWE fans, and they think that Martha is, like, the bad person in this, and she's mm-hmm. not the bad person in this, regardless mm-hmm. of whatever statement WWE issues to indicate that, that she might be. I, I it's, It hit a lot different for me to hear them say it and see them say it. Uh, Alva M. says, Hey, guys, love Fightful. Also like the lightsaber behind Jimmy. Well, you're it's... All kinds of different colors right now. <laughs> I don't know how to fix it. I always uh, throwback PC. says uh, clear your cache or something, but I'm not that worried about it. It's just a yeah. funny gimmick. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. Shad met him in Phoenix at WrestleMania 26 and got a photo with him. Nick Zotic says R.I.P. Shad Gaspard. 
and uh man that's that's one that's going to hit a lot of people pretty hard and it's yeah it's going to stick uh Anakin- especially too so, sorry to cut you off but a lot of people look at Shad Gaspard he's such a large human being you know and and, yeah. and a strong guy and so people are probably thinking you know how could this possibly happen but uh riptides are no joke man i mean yeah. they're not i don't i don't know what kind of a swimmer he was but they're no joke, and uh, it's, it's yeah, it's sad. It is. Anakin JMT says, do you think Martha might allow for the Hall of Fame if the money went to the Owen Hart Foundation? I, the, As you just mentioned, you can never say never. Right now it doesn't look like it, yeah. but I think it would have to be a monster donation. Oh, yeah, seven figures minimum for sure. Anakin JMT says, I thought the UWF and Owen episodes were the most revealing, but Benoit was most tragic with how Eddie's death affected Chris and how Chris's son was affected those two were ones that I had kind of blocked out of my mind. They were so tragic that it's one of those I try to I try to not dive into too much. And then when I watched those, I was like, okay, Brawl for All and Road Warriors. I didn't really learn anything new in those. I yeah. I thought they could have been a lot better. The Herb Abrams one, I didn't know anything about, and I learned a lot. So I, I thought that one was really good too. There are some in the first season that. Uh, I'm hoping to go back and watch. I hope next season they break the trend of turning an episode into Vince Russo versus Jim Cornette. I that- agree, because Cornette's actually a great resource whenever yes. he plays it straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the own heart one. Well, so uh, is Vince. Straight. So, so is, is Vince. Vince. <laughs> yeah. Vince yeah, is a phenomenal be. resource. I have yeah. heard I've heard someone very influential in uh, the wrestling podcast world, say there is a million dollar podcast in Vince Russo. You just have to get it out of him, and I couldn't agree more because we thought the same thing, Jimmy. Yeah, we did. I always, if, if I'm being frank, when when we first started, I don't even know if I should say this on there, but whatever. When, oh when we started talking, yeah, about get, Vince get me Russo, buried. That's what I want. No, 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 no. When we started talking about Vince Russo uh, back in the day, I did say to Sean, I feel like he's oversaturated. I feel like he's everywhere. And he does podcasts with everybody, and he's all over YouTube, and I still feel that way. I feel like the reason that things didn't go quite as well with Fightful as maybe they could have is because he was kind of saturated, in my opinion. Yeah, well, sure, and, and Vince doesn't make any bones about it. He can get burned out. It's the way it is. Right. Rob Wilkins says, a tough few days. My heart goes out to Larry Zonka's family and Chad's family. Apparently, <laughs> I picked the wrong day to start using psychedelics based on Jimmy's camera feed. <laughs> yeah, uh... Rest in peace, Larry Zonka. I'm going to join a tribute show to him later on, but there are a lot of people who talk about influences in the line of work that I do. When it comes to work ethic, I did not have a personal relationship with Larry Zonka, but I read and admired his work for years. That's who I based my work ethic off of. When I saw how much he worked, I was like, that's that's the standard that you want to reach is what Larry Zonka did. And... You've seen people like Kevin Owens and Stokely Hathaway, Malcolm Bivens donate to his GoFundMe. I encourage you guys to do that too. He left two daughters behind. Um, that's heartbreaking. That's a big loss to what we do. He brought a lot of integrity to what we do and was one of the best reviewers ever in wrestling. Ever. I uh, admittedly wasn't too familiar with him. I, I knew his name, mm-hmm. and I think you and I had spoken about him in the past. So I, I knew his name. I'm familiar with 411, but I, I, I admittedly didn't read his stuff. But uh, the last couple of days, I've read a lot of the social media uh, comments people have had about him. And, uh, yeah, everything you just said looks like it's pretty accurate. He sounds like he had a good reputation for his reviews. A lot of today's pro wrestlers read his stuff years ago. Uh, my Still original do. site. My yeah. original site was around from 97 until about 2005, so I might have crossed paths with him, with him at some point. Yeah. You know? there's, That's there's a sad. A, How old was he, Sean? I feel like he was in his early, late 30s, early 40s. That'd That's be a question old. for Jeremy. Yeah, he was okay. he, he was very young. Uh, wow. Jose Flores says, Listening to talk is Jericho. Jericho might be a bridge for Martha back to wrestling. Not WWE, but wrestling. It's happened no. before. It's happened before with the Benoit yeah. family. You're right. I guess the problem is Martha was never a wrestling person. Sure. Uh, and uh, and she said it on the podcast. Now, when Owen passed away in 99, I was still very heavily involved in my old site. And I told the story before about how I wrote a tribute article to him and a local newspaper picked it up without my permission. Oh, yeah. And uh, and so uh, I was heavily uh, in the scene still. I talked to a lot of people that knew Owen. Uh, a lot of people in, in the Toronto wrestling scene knew of him. And uh, everybody always said the same thing. He is not a lifer in pro wrestling. He's doing it. I think they had just built a new dream home in Calgary at the time. And he was continuing to work to pay it off. That's what I was always told. 
And apparently once his house was paid off, he was going to quit and be a firefighter or a teacher. I think it was. And so he wasn't going to be a lifer. Martha wasn't a wrestling fan. Jericho's not going to bring her back to wrestling. It's not going to happen. Harold Romero says, did the documentary change your views on Vince and Kevin Dunn? I loved Owen. Glad the documentary showed the love he had for his family. R.I.P. Owen and Chad. No, not really. Um, I, I thought the way that Vince responded to that reporter was he was a jackass to that reporter. Yeah, but you got to remember something. Now, I, I've seen that footage before, and mm-hmm. I've seen that whole press conference before. That took place right after the show, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not defending Vince, and I'm not defending him going on with the show. I thought it was a really bad call. They should have stopped the show. Yeah. But uh, people need to understand that, you know, this man went back far with the, with the Hart family. Owen had just passed. Guy's doing a press conference after it just ended. Obviously, he wanted to be anywhere else. And so you're going to be a little ornery when you're sitting there sure. still processing everything that's going on. And then you have a reporter that's questioning stuff. And again, I'm not defending Vince, but I can understand with the frame of mind he was probably in since the, the timing of that, you know? Uh, Arturo Gonzalez says, they'll never do it, but this is when it be, would have been uh, better to get WWE's side of things, not just hers. Not that she doesn't deserve to be pissed. WWE doesn't do Dark Side of the Ring. They don't allow their talent to be interviewed. They don't do it. And if one of us interviewed a WWE wrestler and started to ask about Owen Hart and that tragedy and what they felt about it, that's a great way to just get blacklisted. That's not going to happen. Also, it's not topical for a lot of things. What, like, what are we going to do? Like, you don't have access to Vince McMahon. He and nobody else hardly was there. Bruce Pritchard, maybe. Yeah. Like, well, I, I will say this. So back in '99. Because uh, for me, again, I had my old site back then. Back then, I was pretty, uh, uh, you know, well read on the whole thing. Uh, some of the stuff that's come out recently, I remembered from back then. So, like when Martha Hart said that that rigging was meant to to have six pounds of pressure, I remembered that from from '99 yeah. when they were researching it. Uh, Jerry McDevitt, the lawyer for WWE, he, they felt the need to issue comments to CBS Sports after Martha spoke to CBS Sports. And one of the things that Jerry McDevitt said was that she allegedly or her lawyer were looking for $35 million in a settlement. I remember hearing a figure like that yeah. back in back in 99. Uh, and so some of this stuff has come out. If you're able to get the documents about the, the legal case and whatnot, a lot of it has come out. But it's been buried for 20 years. So yeah. a lot of it you'd have to go back and resurface. But some of that stuff I do remember. The offensive thing to me is when they say, like, oh, she wanted $35 million in a settlement. Like, that's a bad thing. You know what I wish? I, I bet she would rather have her husband alive. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. If, if you, you tell me right now, hey, $35 million or your wife, uh, I'm going to keep my wife alive. That's, it's not even a question. So to nope. paint that as if, oh, well, she put a price tag on. Yeah, after the fact. Yeah. After the freaking fact. Also, she's a doctor. For the yeah, love she was of now, I don't think she was. Well, now. I mean, she obviously had some aspirations and and oh yeah, and some ambition. Look at look at Oge. They got a successful family, so mm-hmm. I don't think the price tag uh, the, like the price tag means a damn thing. I, I nope. really don't. I mean, I, I she was probably looking to bankrupt them. You got to remember that this yeah. was this was pre IPO WWE. Yeah, uh, this was just pre- barely, but yeah, yeah. Well, it was, but and and this is pre. USA Fox five-year contracts, you know, $250 million a year. They had money because they were in their peak period at that time. But I think she was thinking, hell, I want to I want to bankrupt this company, you know? Stay up and keep it up, says Jimmy's stream was like a Neapolitan ice cream. So many flavors. That dial-up connection isn't working, Jimmy. That's who's cute. Whose That's leather cute. chair is better? I'm going to say Jimmy's is because the arms on mine are wobbly. I got to continually screw them in. The the leather covering is peeling, and <laughs> everything that's on this has been replaced. I had to hit up Serta and be like, hey, I spent a lot of money on your piece of shit chair that's already coming apart. What's going on with it? And they sent me new pieces, and they're messing up again. Wow. Well, this I'm, I'm in a Lazy Boy chair. Hey. And I didn't I didn't know Lazy Boy made uh, office chairs, and I was doing research and found it. It's been good. I've had it for three, four years. It's been good. There you go. Imagine if you actually used it, Jimmy, and did did some work every once in a while. Yeah, imagine if I did. Imagine if I did. I just what I do is I sit here seven days a week looking at a blank screen, waiting for the list on your boy on Wednesday afternoon. Well, the list and you, the fucking legend 
Can we change the name? I never liked said. listing your boy. Uh, maybe. Well, if we do, it'll it won't be that. But we'll uh, come on. We'll figure it out. I want to move well, on. Hey, and talk about- we can't move on yet. We've got super chats. People, okay, go ahead. people go ahead. care about us. I appreciate it. Our dude, Throwback27, uh, always great to us. I was on a Skype call with him yesterday. He said, it's a very sad day. As Warren tweeted, it's only Wednesday. It's interesting to see her side of the family issues with the Hart family and being public. We should be celebrating uh, Owen's life, not questioning his widow's motives. I completely agree. I, I wonder about the... I wonder about the motives of people questioning her motives. That that's the thing that makes me question your quality as a human being. If if you're doing that, admittedly, did I do it years ago? Probably, I was probably selfishly like, oh, I want to see Owen Hart in Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. As I've gotten older, I've realized were. it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, Anakin JMT said, hearing Martha go on Jericho and talk about how close Owen was to not being a wrestler was heartbreaking. If he'd been able to take one class and not wait a semester, he would have never stayed in Stampede. I don't know. I think he would have eventually found his way to wrestling. I think somehow. so too. I think so too. And and uh, and he was a natural. I love that Jericho uh, uh, compared him to Johnny from Karate Kid. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Look, just and like I, him. I never heard that before, but it's true. And I'll tell you one thing that I didn't necessarily like, and a, a talking point that I didn't like: people acting like Owen Hart was just this technical wrestler, like he was Dean Malenko or something. And yes. Like, he didn't have one of the best personalities in wrestling. Period. Owen yeah, Hart should have been a major star. He could have I been agree. a multiple-time champion. I agree. and I, I will say this, though. I do agree with Jim Cornette when Jim Cornette said that Owen Hart didn't fit that era. Sure. Um, and, and he didn't, not because he wasn't personable, not because he couldn't talk, not because of any of that. It's because that was when they were getting right into the heart of the, you know, attitude era of the sleaze factor yeah. with, you know, bikini clad women and Val Venus and all that. And Owen was a family man. He wanted nothing to do with any of that stuff. And I think that should have been his did. gimmick. I mean, it could have been, I mean, the blue blazer thing was kind of, uh, yeah. you know, a jokey nod to it. I mean, but, uh, they could have went a long way with Owen being like, shit like this is why my brother wanted to leave this company type of thing. Like, I they, think he oh. did. I think he cut a few promos like that with yeah. Vince when he first came back. Um, but it is true. I mean, they wanted him to do a, a, a fair angle with Deborah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he wasn't going to do it. And so I think Vincent Mann at that time was like, well, what do you do then? Because we're yeah. going – in the sleaze direction, and he wasn't going to be a part of it. And good for Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply him that he stuck to his guns yeah to each their own i see that as as an acting role but not everybody does because there's a lot of people that think that this stuff is real we have just well, a, back then too you got to sorry to cut you up but back then they lived at 24 7 back then yeah that's very true so he would have been with deborah all the time you know what mm-hmm. i mean so last couple of super chats throwback says as as money uh is important the most important thing in life is the people you're around not just the time you spend with them time is better than money that that's the truth that is the truth. Something I didn't realize until I worked all the time. It, you gotta, you got, you work so you do have time with your family. Eventually, you work to to leave a body of work behind, but ultimately, you got to leave a bat behind for somebody. And Alva M says, "I look forward to when WWE is under new management. As years go by, I realize McMahon is a piece of trash from not handling firings to Owen." No so comment. Made me, chuckle, made me chuckle that they said that. 
WWE is not going to be under new management until Vince passes. That's just kind of how it is. Or, yeah. or until he's mentally uh, mentally incapacitated. Well, so. uh, we're over a half hour into the show, and we are just through the sad stuff. Yep. Well, let's let's move on and talk about good old Vince McMahon. And uh, I got to say, this one surprises me. It probably shouldn't have because it's Vince McMahon, but it surprises me. Um, Daniel Kaplan of The Athletic mm-hmm. reports that XFL creditors believe that Vince McMahon is positioning to buy league assets out of bankruptcy. Uh, yep. And there's there's two reasons why they believe that. Number one, there is a proposal uh, in bankruptcy to pay $3.5 million in season ticket refunds. Uh, and the belief is that Vince wants to do that because he wants to maintain customer relations. The XFL creditors want to block that because they want that money. They don't want that $3.5 million going out. The second reason that they believe he's looking to get the assets is XFL president Jeffrey Pollack has reportedly contacted stadiums in Seattle and St. Louis about reinstating the league's lease agreements. Mm-hmm. Um, this is quite the situation. Now, um, I'm familiar with bankruptcy proceedings. I've, I've, a few times I've you know bought assets out of bankruptcy and stuff. Typically, the bankruptcy trustee would rather sell everything in one shot than have to kind of divvy up the assets individually. Yeah. And so um, – People are going to ask, why would Vince want to do this? And let me tell you, this is very shady, but it's very legal what he Mm -hmm. wants to do. So he wants to do this because if he can buy the assets back, especially as a whole, he'll be be able to get them cheap depending on how many bidders there are. Yes. Uh, And so the way it would work is I don't know what the value is of everything. I think they said they thought they have five to ten in assets, five to ten in liabilities, and now they want to pay three and a half out to – to ticket for, for ticket refunds. Let's say he's able to go in and buy it for, I'm just spitballing a million bucks, two million bucks, whatever it is. Now you've got your assets back, you know, for, for next to nothing. Mm-hmm. The trustee, all they can do is take whatever money they get and, and try to maximize what they pay out to the creditors. Creditors are not going to get paid in full. They're going to do it on a reduction, probably going to get pennies on the dollar. And then after that, the slate's clean and Vince can, uh, can, can try to start again. Problem's going to be is number one is he going to be able to get a TV deal now? For all we know, maybe he's got a verbal agreement somewhere because we don't know. Uh, but that's number one. Number two, imagine what his reputation will be in football circles. A lot of those creditors are coaches. Yeah, you know what I mean. The Oliver Luck uh, lawsuit's still out there. He was yep. the CEO of the company. How many football executives, football coaches are going to work for the XFL or going to want to work for the XFL? Under these pretenses. Now, I understand that there's a lot more people looking for jobs in that world than there are jobs available. Yes. And so maybe it won't matter. But uh, I'm a little bit surprised. Again, I understand, you know, you can get the assets probably for pennies on the dollar. But uh, and the quality, the quality of the game was proven. They they had players that actually got drafted in the NFL draft who were in the XFL. So there is a proven method, even though those were, were extenuating circumstances. Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised at all to hear this. Rob Wilkins had sent me this article last night, and I was like, ah, yep, that checks out. <laughs> I was surprised. Uh, because, I mean, again, we don't know the television situation. The only way they're going to make money is with a TV deal. Yeah. And so we don't know the television situation. There's not going to be any uh, any ticket sales, at least capacity, probably for a while. Uh, if they were to restart, I guess it'd be, what, next February would yeah. be the next season, Yeah, I guess. after after the uh, Super Bowls when they... They do. Yeah, it. maybe by then they'd be at limited capacity. They're not going to be full. But then again, they were never full capacity anyway. Yeah. But uh, I was a little surprised. Uh, but it's Vince McMahon, and and for all we know, maybe he just wants to buy the assets just to have them with no plans to to restart. You know, right away. Mm-hmm. But he'd at least have his assets back, get them for pennies on the dollar. You know, it's what it is, I guess. Well, you know what's great? People can get the beautiful assets of Fightful Select for pennies on the dollar of where they'd pay for other premium wrestling websites. And you get a lot more stuff. We do a Q&A show every week. Go over there. You can ask up to 10 questions. I've got a lot of news up there today. Uh, ROH, rest, or ROH asking their wrestlers for feedback. Lots of uh, looks on that. I'm going to have some information on the upcoming episode and the episode after that of Dark, or not Dark Side of the Ring, Undertaker Last Ride had some Impact Wrestling notes ahead of their show last night. I talked to a ticketing CEO about the current landscape and how things are going to change. Every Monday, I'm coming at you with 20 to 25 minutes of news that you only get at Fightful. Uh, it's the Backstage Report podcast. Every week, you get at least two Alex Palowski Sour Graps reviews. You get the Weekender podcast. I mean, you're getting at least five shows a week alone. 
And uh, they're not all going to be like an hour long. We get them to you very digestible. Unless you're listening to Alex Palowski because he has no limits and can rant as long as he wants. And uh, as Jimmy mentioned, we have started the process of like getting things together to integrate that into Fightful.com. So I'm very excited about that. But uh, yeah, we had news up on Roman Reigns, Drew Gulak, Leo Rush, just tons of stuff over there. And we're going to have even more in the the coming weeks. Uh, WWE tapes their next set of shows next week. So there's Mm going to be some stuff coming out of those. FightfulSelect.com. Have you seen episode three of Last Ride yet? Mm Mm-hmm. I got three words for you, Sean. I, we can't say it. I don't think we're allowed to. I don't think we're allowed to. I think there's that, an embargo. That popped me. Oh, that was great. That I was great. It. I immediately I told Jeremy, I was like, that's worth an article on its own. That was great. I loved yeah. it. It's it's. So, we're doing a video on it even. Yep. like. And it, the thing is, I could tell when Jeremy saw that because of how he reacted in the live – in our chat. But, guys, there there's a, a an outtake on this episode you all – have to see and i'll talk about it on oh, it friday was an intentional outtake yes it was an intentional out outtake yeah yeah uh, and it and, was uh, anakin jmt says i'm a little confused can you explain why vince buying the assets would be a bad thing uh i appreciate jimmy's business savvy yeah, no it's not a bad thing um yeah. it's what i was talking about is is his reputation in football circles yeah. like how many how many coaches and how many executives are going to be willing to want to work for him when he's essentially buying the assets at a reduced rate through bankruptcy, meaning that he doesn't have to pay his creditors in full. That's why you would do it. And so how many executives and coaches are going to want to work for him knowing that executives and coaches from the last run are going to get hosed a little bit. They're going to get uh, a reduction on whatever they're due as a creditor, and then he'll have his assets back and and be free to run again if he wants. But it's not – in terms of business, not a bad thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, so Double or Nothing is uh, this Saturday, the 23rd. I got to admit, I'm not as stoked about it as I probably would have been if it was at the MGM Grand. Well, yeah, me either, because I, I would be there. There you go, there you go. And the empty arena thing, I, I think AEW has done everything you can do within the confines of the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think WWE, you know, obviously WWE took a few lessons from them right out of the shoot about how to produce empty arena stuff. I would like for WWE to have more people out there. They're not going to do it, I don't think. Because uh, they're more under the microscope than AEW. Plus, sure. it'll look like a direct copy if they start having talent at ringside. So I don't think they'll do it. But uh, looking at the card, um, what are your thoughts? I mean, the, the Casino Ladder match, I think, should be an interesting one. Who do you think the mystery guy is going to be? I don't know. Everybody keeps asking me. I don't have a damn clue who it'll be. But uh, I think it could be one of the recently released guys. Or it could be Brian Cage. It could be Jeff Cobb. It could be any number of people. Um you know, if it ends up being a New Japan name, that'd be cool. But nobody can travel over here, so that's very true. Now, don't the don't the WWE release guys have ninety day clauses unless their contracts have expired? Not Drew Gulak. Some of the NXT people don't, but there was one that they they kind of extended past Double or Nothing. FightfulSelect.com. I'll have that up soon. But I'll tell you what I love. I love the gimmick of this. This is a fresh take on the ladder match where yeah. Two people start, every 90 seconds a new entrant comes in, and the match can end before all the entrants come in. Yep. I think that's that's awesome. I think that's a fresh take because, quite frankly, Jimmy, since Money in the Bank ladder match, which really is an old match type with just a new stipulation, that was 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Has there been a new great match type that has emerged since then? I mean, Elimination Chamber's been that around was a while now, too. Yeah, it's been around a while. Hell in a Cell, Elimination Chamber, and Money in the Bank are really the last three great ones I remember. What, what, what about that uh, phenomenal match called the Punjabi Prison Match? There you go. There you go. That's one. The Kennel from Hell. Question. So so are they going to have a casino chip in a briefcase? Is that what they're doing? I don't know what the hell they're doing. Because they said casino chip. It's you, you have to get a casino chip. So I don't know. Okay, okay. I agree with you, though. Uh, it puts more – more. Uh, now you really want to be one of the first yeah. two. Whereas with, say, Elimination Chamber, you want to be one of the last ones. Even if you look at, say, War Games, uh, War Games, you didn't want to be one of the one of the first guys in there because there could be no pin until everybody was in there. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It does put a different spin on it. 
I just don't know what the hell they're doing with this casino chip. Well, that's the thing. Anakin JMT just sent a super chat to ask. By the way, donate a super chat. Any amount. Get your question or statement read on the air. He says, how big will that chip be? Well, they still have some from last year's Double or Nothing. Remember those big-ass chips they had? But weren't they stuck together like in a in a I'm, stack? I'm sure they can figure that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, uh, there, there's some pretty good guys in it. I mean, you know, Darby Allen. Orange Cassidy, Ray Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, guys that can really go. Then you got Luchasaurus who's going to add it. Luchasaurus is kind of like the cane and the money in the bank. Yeah. It, that's his role in that one. You're going to see guys on his shoulders and shit. And, uh, and yeah, we'll have to see who the uh, to-be-determined one is. It's going to be interesting. Maybe even one of uh, – what is their name? The Revolt, FDR? <laughs> FTR. It's FTR. FTR. Yeah. Maybe it'll be one of those guys because they're pretty clear now, right? And somebody is saying the scramble match was good. Yeah, the scramble match – started in 2000. I mean, it wasn't called the Scramble Match, but the WWF, the, the WrestleMania 2000 Hardcore Battle Royal was a Scramble Match. Mm-hmm. It just, they botched the ending. What do you think about Brody Lee getting a title shot? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And as quite frankly, uh, empty arena is one thing, and that's nobody's fault. AEW has completely dropped the ball on Moxley's run so far. And I don't know. I don't know if they're choosing these opponents because of the empty arena setting, and because they just want to do these quick programs to keep them active until the fans are back to do a hot program. Yeah. I don't know if that's what it is, but you've had him in there with uh, Jake Hager, who a lot of fans look at as a WWE mid carder. Now you got him in there with Brody Lee, who a lot of fans look at as a WWE mid carder. I don't like it. I don't get it. Brody Lee, what's he done to deserve a title shot? He hasn't done anything to deserve a title shot. He beat uh, uh, Marco Stur- uh, What's his name? Stunt. Marco Stunt. No, I, I'm okay with the way that they get around some of this stuff. Because, like, for example, they wanted to give Jake Hager a title shot, but he hadn't wrestled. So they had him win five matches in a month. I mean, the thing is, Brody Lee did beat Christopher Daniels last week. That's that's a good win. But, as you mentioned, QT Marshall, Lee Johnson, Justin Law, Marco Stunt, not really big wins. But I can at least get behind them saying... He's 5-0. and We'll give him a title shot. I'm okay with that because uh, it's pro wrestling. You, you get title shots every month, every couple months, as opposed to every three or four. So I don't have a problem with that. To me, it's so heavy-handed as a Vince thing that, okay, I'm okay with it. But when you're out there doing interviews denying it, whether or not that's in character, I'm like, ah, we see through it. Also, I look at his finish and I'm like, the discus lariat as a finish, I see Natalia doing that every week. I'm not, I'm not buying that as a finish when I've seen this guy do sit-down power bombs and stuff. I agree, and I also didn't like – now, I, I, I've i seen him lately not do it as often, but he was doing the Ode to Bray Wyatt with the uh, with the sister Ab- Abigail spot. Yeah. I wasn't liking that because it didn't make sense. Like first you're bending him backwards, then you're letting him back up. It just looks stupid. But uh, but I agree with you, and and I guess uh, re- referencing the thing you just said about uh, you know how he's supposedly denying that it's uh, that it's uh, an old divisive man or it's a shot of divisive man. I was gonna that's the question I was gonna ask you. So he was on Busted Open Radio. He was asked about the similarities between his character and Vince McMahon. I'm not gonna read this entire quote, but he basically said it's not intentional. Mm-hmm. He said, I hear what everybody's saying. It's not intentional. My question for you was gonna be, do you think he did that in character that interview? Because Busted Open Radio is a kayfabe free environment sometimes you know I mean? yeah um i think kind of he did i think he you did think now he that did? i've, I've really? digested it a little bit yeah okay because i guess if if that's the case then fine otherwise i was going to say don't insult my intelligence yeah because we're not idiots you're out there eating steak you don't like sneezing don't treat me like a moron but if he did it in character sure fine. Rob Wilkins says, my sources told me it's not a casino chip at all. They're actually handwritten instructions for the person to help MJF find his hotel room. That sucked. I wish I had the camera rolling during that point because a lot of people thought that was like something I just threw into the story that me and MJF got lost on the way to his hotel room. We did not. We spent 30 minutes looking for his hotel room in the MGM. It was insane. It was insane. What do you think of uh, Tyson? He's going to hand out the the TNT Championship, which is right. going to be one not on TNT. What I do you think love about it. that? That was that was brilliant. And a lot of people are like, "Oh, well, is he relevant?" Oh yeah, he's relevant right now. He is now he is right now. Everybody's he, seen the video. 
Yes. Everybody's seen the training video. Evander's talking about him and Tyson might do an exhibition. He's relevant right now. A lot of people are going to look at it and say he did the thing with Austin in 97. It's 2020 now. Give it. Uh, give me Tyson right and now. Holyfield again. I'll watch it. I don't care. I'll watch these freak show fights. Eh, I love eh, it. I mean, it'd be exhibition, so they're going to go easy. They're buddies now. They, they get would along do now. one million oh. pay-per-view buys. Think they would do it on pay-per-view? Yes, I think either that or if DAZN bought it or something. Because yeah. they're about to forfeit the, the Bellator rights. Yeah. Ooh, lots of money. Lots of money. I, think I told it you would... I did a deal with Evander years ago. Yeah, he... and he, I did tell you that, right? The Affy, of course. That, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he was. I was surprised how big he was, Sean. Oh, he's huge. Because he's huge. He, he wasn't a heavyweight when he started. Yeah, and I will never forget. I stood in the lobby of the hotel. So if anybody's not familiar, I did a deal with Evander once. He was the uh, face of a supplement that I was marketing, <laughs> and I was standing in the lobby of the hotel, and he came off the elevator. He is a huge human being, much bigger than I thought he was going to be in person. It's a shame you didn't know the walking printing press at that time, or else that supplement would have worked out better. What was it? Was it Zyance or was it IcoPro? It was something like Zyance. I don't want to disrespect Evander. Let's just say that the market did not receive him as well as I thought they would. I used to sell supplements back in the day. Really? Yeah, I used to uh, help run a GN GNC, and it sucked ass. Interesting. Maybe, uh, maybe you and I will talk. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I want to uh, move on before we get to Stupid People uh, Coronavirus Edition, I think, Part 7, because people are so stupid. Yeah. But you mentioned Drew Gulak, so I want to ask you a question. And everybody by, by now knows he's gone, contract expired. Here's my question. So uh, he was drafted to SmackDown, right? Then in November, he's on TV with the B team. Braun Strowman's just like making him look like plugs. Yeah. Then he's gone for a while. Then all of a sudden, he's back on television. He's in a program with Daniel Bryan. He's getting wins over Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. He's getting the biggest spotlight he had had in years. My question is, did they give him that push because they were trying to resign him? Is that the reason? I think so. Okay. Look at, look at Riddick Moss. His deal was about to be up, and they're like, all right, well, we're bringing you up to the main roster. Here's your 24-7 title partnership with, with Mojo. Resign with us. We can't lose you, Riddick. Right. And for Gulak, for Gulak, it wasn't enough to be in there with Daniel Bryan. Stuck to his guns. He, I mean, he was interested in resigning, from what I understood. But they were too far apart on money. That's yeah. the unfortunate reality of being a part of this free agent class of 2000 instead of 2019. Or yep. is it? Because he'd probably be in the same exact situation he's in right now had he re-signed a big money deal last year. Look at Carl yep. Anderson. Look at Luke Gallows. Look yep. at a lot of those people that re-signed with the company. That's why I keep saying it. Rhino was the smartest guy in the room. He said uh, that amount of money is not sustainable. That does not make sense. You'll have to double that to even get me to stay. You know what? I think back to the to the PowerPoint presentation guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that had legs. I it thought did. the guy was a great, great talker. Uh, he was a great promo. They didn't know what to do with him. And and, and let's be honest, if Drew Gulak was 6'2", 240 pounds, they would have found a spot for him. And that's a fact. And they can say what they want, but size doesn't matter anymore. The way he could cut a promo in that character, if he was 6'2", 240, they yeah. would have found a spot for him. That's just how it is. It's he's unfortunate. A, and he's bigger than a lot of people realize. He's about six feet tall, almost 200 pounds. But Is he that big? Because yeah. Brian's only like 5'8", and he didn't look that much bigger oh, he's than me. Much, I think you should look look at them again. He's much bigger oh, really? than Daniel Bryan, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, he is. If you uh, see a picture of the two, you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, he's a good four inches taller than Daniel Bryan. Okay. Well, let's go to uh, part seven, coronavirus edition of uh, Stupid People. Oh, I'm not going to do the video because I, uh, I don't have a special rendition this week. If you want to send in your own rendition of the Stupid People song, hit up Sean Ross Sapp on social media and uh, get it to us and I'll play it. But until then, I'm not going to play the, uh, the same video on the iPad. I want to learn how to produce, Sean. And I hit, up, I hit up our guys, Nigel and Camillo, and I said, what can I do to produce so I can show pictures the right way and everything? They told me straight up, we'll teach you how to do it, but it might be very distracting yeah. uh, during the show. And I was like, eh, you're right. It, it, is, it is very distracting during the show. Yeah. Um, I've That's learned a little bit. Producer. Okay. 
Well, this first one, Sean, this was reported by Yahoo Style on May 14th. Yahoo. <laughs> Yahoo. That's what it is. <laughs> it's Yahoo. Well, Yah. Maybe to you. Yahoo. Now, in this story, I am not crapping on the manufacturer for being stupid. In this yeah. story, I'm crapping on the consumer. So I want to okay. make that clear. All right? So uh, any idea what new coronavirus-related product is at the market and it's selling out quick? Oh, that stupid hydrochloroquine shit. Uh, well, no, but that that's not a bad guess. Donald yeah. Trump says he's taking it, whatever. No, no. What it is is a face mask with a small opening at the mouth to fit a drinking straw. I'm going to try to see if I can put this up. Can you see that properly? Yeah, I sure can. They actually made a face mask with a small opening at the mouth to fit a drinking straw. The designer's name is Ellen McComer. She's from New Orleans, and here's what she said, quote, we're all in New Orleans, and here in New Orleans, we like to drink. So she made that. Now, here's where the consumer is really dumb. She started selling these at 30 bucks a pop, Sean. Oh, boy. Her, her first week, she produced 40, sold them out in a half an hour. My God. Now, now prices start at $60 for that thing, and there's such high demand that there are delays in production. No surprise here, Sean. Medical experts have been asked about that mask, and they deem that putting that hole in the mask renders it completely useless. Yeah, of course. It's not stopping people from buying it, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, people think they're safe wearing it. Yeah, of course. Guarantee. Dumb. Uh, dumb. We live in. Isn't it amazing the last two months that the really dumb have just kind of floated to the top and really just kind of exposed themselves? Yep. You know? So that's the first one. The second one, this was reported by the BBC on uh, May 18. So FC Seoul is a soccer club in South Korea, and uh, they recently resumed play with no fans. They immediately had to apologize after their first game. Why did FC Seoul have to apologize after their very first game back? Uh, probably somebody tested positive on, the, on one of the teams and still they played. They put sex dolls in the stands. <laughs> you able to see that? Uh, it's amazing. You able to see that all right? Yeah, it's amazing. Now, even worse, Sean, some of the dolls were advertising porn sites. That's banned in South Korea. Then oh. when the team was questioned about it, they denied the allegations. They said, no, 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 those aren't sex dolls. Those are premium mannequins. Then people did a little bit of research, and they discovered that the manufacturer of these makes sex dolls. So, mm. pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah pretty, pretty cool. Right pretty cool. This last one came from Fox News on May 16, and I want to reiterate, I am nonpartisan. Nonpartisan. I sure don't go one way or the other in politics, religion. Sean will tell you, when it comes to stupid stories, I don't discriminate. I don't care your yeah. religion, your sexual orientation, your race. I don't care about anything because stupid is stupid. And so yeah. the reason I'm going to tell this story, I am not siding with a political party. I'm just kind of telling a story. So Eric Trump – Oh boy, he's the, he's the youngest son of Donald Trump, uh, probably the probably the least impressive of all the Trump kids, I think. Uh, he was interviewed by Janine Pirro on Fox News. He he suggested that coronavirus lockdowns, which have been happening for the last couple of months, are a conspiracy to des designed to prevent his father from holding live campaign rallies because the Democrats are trying to deprive Donald Trump of his greatest asset, which is speaking and drawing crowds. And this is a quote from uh, Eric Trump. He said, quote, they, meaning the Democratic Party, will milk it every single day between now and November 3rd. And guess what? After November 3rd, coronavirus will magically all of a sudden go away and disappear and everybody will be able to reopen. Given everything we know about this thing, for him to suggest it's all bullshit, it's just conspiracy, you're a fucking moron. You're a moron. And I'm nonpartisan, Sean. Don't care about parties or nothing. Yeah. You're a moron. And that's just how it is. Yeah. Uh, I really don't know what to say that, one, that what people won't misconstrue and say, oh, my God, partisan, partisan. No, but, no, no. I'm nonpartisan. If, yeah. if that was uh, Joe Biden's son that said that, I'd shit on him, too. Yeah, I agree. So, and yeah, it doesn't matter. depriving people of your greatest asset is never a good thing, especially when your asset is your big fat wiener. Thanks to BlueChew.com, your performance will be just as good as ever. Look at that. A beautiful logo. BlueChew.com. Code Fightful. Get you prepared. Maybe when you're not prepared, 
But it's ready whenever you are. It's got the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but you're in a much better situation when you use BlueChew.com because it's prescribed online. They work with physicians to get this to you without having to go to the doctor's office, without having to go to the pharmacy in a period where you really don't need to be there. If you want 50,000 people watching you fuck and cheering you on, you probably need to use BlueChew.com. Also, you probably shouldn't do that around 50,000 people right now because it's not safe. But at least if you do, you're going to have a long-lasting erection and fantastic sexual performance. It's discreet. It's shipped to you that way. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Not everybody's going to be up in your business. The mailman's already distracted enough as it is, so he's not going to be wondering what's going on with your wiener. But... By the time word gets back to your mailman that you got that dope dick, he's probably going to be asking some questions. He's going to be saying, man, do you have a code? Can I use that? Do you? Oh, I can get it for free by using the code Fightful? And at that point, you might say, mailman, stop, man. Stop. my, My schedule's too full right now. I'm breaking quarantine. I'm breaking isolation. Throwing this ding dong around because Blue Chew allows me to be the master of my own domain, the master of this performance. That's what Blue Chew does. Like I said, use that code FIGHTFUL. Get your first shipment free. Hit them up at Blue Chew. Let them know that you heard about them from us. Somebody says we need an SRS Blue Chew Segway compilation. Hey, buddy, there are three of them, one of which has over 40,000 views on YouTube. There you go. There you go. All right, after this, if you go to FIFOSelect.com, uh, we're going to do the list goes on. We're going to talk about Austin Theory. We're going to talk about Ember Moon. We're going to talk about Rey Mysterio, Drew McIntyre. We're going to talk about The Undertaker, uh, Gable Stevenson. We're going to talk about him. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who that name is, go to FIFOSelect.com for the list goes on because he's going to be somebody to watch in pro oh, wrestling. Yeah. So we're going to talk about all that. A couple more things I want to talk about today. First of all, so the last time ratings were down, they came WWE came up with what they called the wild card rule. This time when ratings are down, they're coming up with the exact same thing, but this time they're calling it the brand to brand invitational. And what they're saying is stars from one brand can only appear on another brand up to four times a year. This Friday will already mark Charlotte Flair's second appearance, Sean. And and they, they haven't told us if an appearance counts or if a match counts. Right. Well, here's my question for you. How long before they quietly ignore that rule like they ignore everything else and you got Charlotte Flair wrestling on SmackDown every single week? Almost immediately. I expect, I so it, I expect it by the time August has has run around, uh, come around, they will have already broken this. I think so too, and we've talked about it. One of the things I despise, and you talk about it all the times on the post-Raw show, post-SmackDown show, you just want your shit to make sense. Yep. One of the things I despise about WWE is that they insult the intelligence of the audience. They do it all the time. They come up with things like this, then Vince changes his mind, then they do it another way. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, but I guarantee you Vince McMahon probably says, well, you're still watching, aren't you? So he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. But uh, I hate stuff like this. They could have just said, like you suggested, you know, this is a tough time right now. We don't have access to all of our roster because of where they live. And so we're going to uh, get rid of the brain extension temporarily yeah. until things go back to normal. Everybody would have accepted that. That would have been fine. Yeah. I'm sure there would have been some you stalwarts. Know? But, man, I-, I prefer them not acting like they are too big for what the world is suffering from. Just just shoot us straight. Say, listen, it sucks, but also they are the people who brought up Bianca Belair and sat her on the bench. They are the yeah, people that, event. Yeah. They are the people who just released a bunch of really good wrestlers. They just over and over again. Uh Keon Keon says, Your opinion of Dark Side of the Ring, Owen Hart. Uh rewind a little bit on the show. It is uh at the beginning. We talk about it at length. Uh, Vipel Anand says, do you think stripping Sammy is the last straw and he should leave WWE if he no. gets the chance? And if you get the chance uh, and the questions would be pre-booked, would you do it? Yeah, I would interview Vince McMahon under any circumstances. But no, I don't think Sammy's leaving WWE. No, you have to understand he's holding a secondary title which they could use on their show. And he doesn't want to come to work because of COVID. And that's his prerogative. But that means that you can't have a secondary title on your show. 
I agree. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I have no issue with. That. I don't think Sami Zayn gives a shit either, quite frankly. You know. No. So before we go to, to FightfulSelect.com for the list uh, goes on, I'm just going to put up one more little photo here. I don't even really have to say anything to explain this and how dumb it is. You can say what you want, Sean. But here's my last thing before we go to uh, the list goes on. Oh, boy. I'm going to delve into this. I'm going to start asking questions about the greatest wrestling match ever. Isn't that... this? By the way, this is a WWE-produced graphic. We didn't make this. WWE produced it. We could have, but they produced it and put it on their Facebook page. A lot of people are asking, is WWE trolling? I don't think WWE's uh, clever enough to troll. I think they're doing this because this is the direction Vince is going. And, uh, yeah, that's what they produce. Isn't that absurd? Go to Fightful Select, guys. This is this is weird. We're out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.